So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Hello, this is Rachel Adams, and you are listening to the very first Love Offering Podcast. I am so thankful that you have taken the time to listen today as we celebrate and catalyze extraordinary givers. And this is all just a fancy way of saying that I will be interviewing people that are loving God and loving people well, wherever they are, with whatever gifts that they have been given, all for the glory of the Lord. And this is all in an effort to inspire and motivate us to do the same. In this first podcast, I want to share my story with you, as well as the inspiration behind the love offering and why I am so passionate about this project. To begin my story, I live in my lifelong lake town of Somerset, Kentucky with my husband, Brian, and my two children, Will and Kate. Most days, you can find me at my computer keyboard with two dogs under my feet or at home trying to create a welcoming environment for my family to return to at a sporting event cheering on one of my two children, or in the community serving however the Lord may lead me that day. I was saved at the age of 12 out of fear of the Lord, but have since learned of God's love for me, and now it is my heart's desire to share that love with the world around me. I am a children's book author of Fisk's Fishing Adventures, The Best Catch, and consider it to be one of my greatest joys to be able to share God's love with children through story. I didn't really get serious about my relationship with God until after I had children, and it was at that point that my husband and I joined the local church and started serving in various capacities, but mainly in children's ministry and women's ministry, and God really began to speak to my heart about the value of serving and giving. But it wasn't until about three years ago that I truly got a call to action, and it happened one evening when my daughter and I were reading a book entitled Uncle Willie's Soup Kitchen. And this is a book that we had picked up at our church library, and it talks about hunger and homelessness from a child's perspective. And in this story, there is a picture of a baby in a high chair. And seeing this image, my daughter Kate began to question how a child could be hungry, because from her five-year-old perspective, she had no frame of reference. And so we began to discuss the realities of hunger and homelessness, and I then thought about orphans, and I told Kate that it broke my heart to think about babies crying alone with no one to comfort them. And so at this thought, my daughter began to cry. And she was crying in such a way as if she was physically hurt, but it was as if she was just emotionally grieving, just truly weeping. And so I began to pray, God, please give these children food and clothes and a home and someone to comfort them. And then I too began to weep because I, I heard God's still small voice speak to my heart. Rachel, who? Who do you want to feed them? Who do you want to clothe them? Who do you want to give them a home? Who do you want to comfort them? 
And so I really understood for the first time who it's, it's, it's not enough to just pray about it. We have to be active in, in our faith and in loving people tangibly. And so I have understood who, but I didn't quite understand yet how. Not long after that experience, I was sitting at church and in the pew, and in front of me was a Bible and a hymnal and an envelope. And on the envelope, it read, The Love Offering. So for many of you that have attended church services before, they these envelopes are there for monetary donations for missionaries or ministries. And while I 100% support tithing and monetary donations, for the first time it really occurred to me, metaphorically speaking, that we as human beings are love offerings, that we are God's hands and feet here on, on earth. I truly want this world to be a better place. And I don't mean for that to sound cliche or like a pageant answer, but I, I believe that you want this world to be a better place too. But we just don't know how. It doesn't take long for us to see the amount of need that there is. The, we just have to open up a newspaper or a magazine to look to our neighbors to the left and to the right, or even look in the mirror to see someone who has need, someone who is hopeless and hurting. And in fact, I wanted to read you some statistics that I found to bring this urgency to our heads and to our hearts. Two-thirds of the world's population don't know Jesus. That's 1.6 billion people who have never heard the gospel, not even one time. 783 million people are living off of $1.90 a day. 815 million people suffer from chronic undernourishment. 153 million children worldwide are orphans. 60 million people in the United States, that's one in five of us, suffer from loneliness. 120 million people worldwide suffer from mental illness. That translates to 850,000 deaths a year. So knowing these statistics, I started to reflect, why have I not been giving? And so I wanted to share six ways and reasons I believe that I have not been giving but then I also wanted to um, tell you some practical solutions that I have used to move past my justifications for my inactivity. So number one, the reason that I have not been giving is just the enormity of the problems. You know, we read these statistics and the magnitude of them is, is just so big that we don't feel like we can even make a dent in the problems. But I believe that I've overcomplicated it, that we feel like we have to do something huge, but really we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just have to do God's will. And that's to love God and to love people. I believe it's the hugs and smiles and kind words and kind notes and holding doors open and buying meals for people. It's our collective small acts in God's hands that multiply to have an enormous impact. Number two is my own inadequacy. It's this belief that I don't have anything of value to give. And it's an insecurity in myself, just being as transparent as I can be, that it's so much easier to see gifts in other people. and to, But to, to see those same gifts and talents in ourselves is much more difficult. But the reality is, is that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made, the scriptures tell us. And and it's not even us that's doing anything. It's God working through us, and He is more than adequate. 
Number three is our busyness. The hustle and bustle of our society and the amount of responsibilities that we all have, our our work and bills and school and family and homes and ministries and our health, it just, there's so many things vying for our attention. And so I, I pray, God, tell me what takes precedence in my day. What is your priority? And God, interrupt me for what is important to you. Number four is self-absorption. This one is a hard one for me to admit, but it, it's it's true. It's this selfish way of living rather than selfless. And once my needs are met and my the needs of my immediate family, I, I just stop. And I've almost become apathetic that I'm not caring about people or, or even being sensitive to their, their needs. And so I pray, God, give me your eyes and your heart to see others in the way that you do. Help me to notice them and be sensitive to your spirit. Number five is we're all weary. That This goes back to the discussion of busyness, that we are giving so much in so many different ways that even, even us giving in the church, there's a scripture that says that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. So those of us that are giving a lot of ourselves then just get burnt out. And so I pray, Lord, order my steps. Where do you want me to put my focus and help me to pay attention to my body? When do I need to rest and to observe the Sabbath and just to refresh and to recharge? And number six is this feeling of being empty, that we are just hollow and depleted and we don't have anything else to give. Or that's so we think, you know, when we are weak, God is strong and and God can fill us. You know, I always know when I need to spend time with the Lord because I do, I feel empty. I have a shorter temper. I have more negative self-talk going on in my head. I'm, I'm impatient. And so I wanted to share some practical ways if you are finding yourself empty. Number one is just time in the word. If by reading our Bibles and memorizing scripture, studying his words, it's living and active and never returns void. That's, that's how he talks to us. And he also talks to us through prayer. You know, anybody that we want to be close to in this life, we have to communicate with. And so our relationship with the Lord is no different. And it's it's a talking and a listening, and that's ongoing and continuous. I'm also filled up through worship, although I am not a good singer, and I so wish that I was. But um, I still appreciate music and songs and the, the fact that 20 years later, you can remember lyrics from songs. And so I believe that that God uses worship music to minister to our hearts. And we start to hum and remember songs just when we need them the most. I also really value other believers. I can't say enough how important a church family is and surrounding yourself with like-minded people that will hold you accountable and build you up and just serve as positive influences over your life. And then lastly, although it sounds counterintuitive, I'm filled up through giving. It's any time that I have given something to someone else in ministry or through a nonprofit or, or just just even a family member just wanting to bless the other person with a pure-hearted intent to to give joy to the other person, I then always receive joy in return. The old adage of it's better to give than to receive so rings true in my life. So, you know, I, as I think about this love offering, 
I know that this is not easy. The We talked about how enormous the problems are and some of the reasons that we maybe aren't giving. But the reality is, is that even when we don't feel like we have anything to give or we even don't want to, uh, that desire of our heart, when we become believers, God gives us everything that we need. And he gets, we have the Holy Spirit that resides in us. And that's, that includes the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. And so through God and through His Spirit, we have everything that we need to love people tangibly while we're here on this planet. And as I think about these givers that I will be interviewing, I, I really want to just spotlight them. And I know that for many of them, I will have to twist their arms to in, be able to interview them because they don't want any glory that they want. They live their lives just wanting to give God all the glory, which is so true. And, and um, that's what we all want to do. Let's give God all the glory, but we can learn from one another people that are loving God and loving people well, wherever they are and with whatever gifts that they have been given, we can learn from them. How have they done it? What have they learned? What are some of the resources and practical tips that they can give us? And just to be encouraged and to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And lastly, I just want to tell you why, why I believe so passionately about this, about celebrating extraordinary givers and catalyzing more. And the, the number one reason is because God did. In John three sixteen, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave, which is an action because he loved. And what, or better yet, who did he give? He gave his son Jesus as our ultimate example of sacrifice and service. You know, Jesus came to live on this earth as a living example of God's love, as we are to be living examples of Jesus' love here on earth. Jesus, while he was here, he washed his disciples' feet, and he healed people and fed them and comforted them, and then he commands us to go and do likewise. And then I'm reminded of the first two commandments, to love God and to love each other. And I'm convinced that when we do this, that God, when we get to heaven, God will say, well done, good and faithful servants. And while I know that our deeds are don't save us, that it's, it's only through faith that we are saved, but I also believe that true faith always results in a changed life and good deeds, and that our active obedience demonstrates that our faith is genuine. In fact, in James 2, uh, 17, it says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And so I want to just encourage us all. This is a way for me to learn from other people, this Love Offering podcast, and to encourage others to do the same, to, for us to all be extraordinary givers and to prayerfully start a chain reaction of loving service that points people to God. I believe that through this, we can lead people to salvation. I believe that through this love offering that we can we can make a difference in this planet for the glory of the Lord. And I genuinely believe that we can change the world one love offering at a time. So I hope that you'll join us each week as we interview a different extraordinary giver. And I pray as you continue to be your own extraordinary giver that God blesses you and that um, number one, he gets all the glory, but that we just continue to do 
what we are all called to do living on this planet and serving our purpose by loving God and loving others. God bless you. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the Love Offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time. Thank you.